Welcome back to Your Other Mother, stories of early queer family making. On today's episode, you'll meet Daisy. Daisy is 46, lesbian, with two moms, a dad, and a trans brother. Part of the reason I wanted to interview Daisy is because after we were connected, her story was so incredible to me. She's a really unique figure in this span of queer family history in that she's much older than I am, and she really was on the very cutting edge of families who were able to parent openly with two parents of the same gender uh, and also raise kids at the same time. Interestingly, Daisy wasn't actually raised in a queer family from birth, which you'll hear in the course of our conversation. I'm so grateful to Daisy for her incredible, thoughtful conversation. I learned so much from her, and I'm really grateful that we we're connected. I can see us being good friends moving forward. So without further ado, here's our, my conversation with Daisy. Um, yeah, so I guess, first of all, if you could share your name um, and tell me about your family and what it looks like. Sure. Well, my name is Daisy, and I... You sent me this question. It should be such a simple question, um, but I was just thinking about layers of family. But I will say um, my family right now, um, I'm married and to my wife, Laura, and we have a poodle. Um, and um, I have one sibling who is also married and has a, a son, my nephew. And then I have my mom um, and her wife, um, and they've been together for a long time. Um, and then my dad, who also has a partner. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you, do you have a big extended family or is it, do you, like when you think of the word family, does that no. also bring up your cousins, aunts and uncles, or do you think of more of your nuclear family? Honestly, when I think of family, what it would bring up more would be friends. Mm -hmm. um that it would be extended family I mean I have extended family and certainly I consider them family but we're not you know I'm not in like close touch with them gotcha. um but I feel like I've got a lot of friends that you know have children that I feel like I'm able to play an aunt to and my wife has longtime friends um that you know I, I we kind of consider her family and and her she has brothers that I would consider my family, um, but both her parents have, have passed away. So, gotcha, gotcha. so we're pretty small extended family. Mm -hmm. I'm the same way with, you know, when I think of family, like my friends who I've had, you know, even my friends yeah. that for 15 years are, are my family as much as my bio exactly. family so, or my adoptive family. Yeah. So another question that I, we talked about is how did growing up in your family shape your own identity? I've been thinking about this a lot too. Um, so like I, I told you, my parents divorced um, when I was about 12. So, um, and my, my sibling was 10. Um, and then my mom came out about a year later. Um, they didn't, you know, my mom will maintain that that the divorce, you know, would have happened either way. It was just like two separate incidences. And I, I definitely see that too. Um, but when she came out to us, me and my brother at the time, 
know, she, she, we were, she was very serious, you know, and sat us down. And I think we were having breakfast and she said that she had something to tell us. And I just, I remember getting really scared. Oh. Like, I thought, oh my gosh, like she's, something's really wrong. And she said that she was gay. And I think we both started laughing. I mean, we just started laughing. Like, and I think it was more of a release than anything than because at the time, you know, that was in the early nineties. No. It would have been probably around, yeah, 8990. Mm-hmm. Um and honestly, I I don't recall very much growing up anything about being gay that I was Mm -hmm. aware of anything. Mm -hmm. I remember the only thing I could recall was, you know, being affectionate with my friends and then somebody on the playground saying, what are you two lezzies? Mm -hmm. But that's the only thing I really remember. And so what I feel like when my mom came out, it was almost after the initial, like, it was, it was like the last thing I would have thought of. Oh, interesting. I don't feel like I knew any gay people at the time. Um, and all of a sudden I was thinking of that, you know, that Proust quote about, you know, the voyage of discovery is not in seeking new landscapes, but like having new eyes. And I feel like all of a sudden, like the world just looked different to me. Like, oh, oh that's even an option. Like I had not even thought of it as an option for myself. Um, And at that point in my development and in the, you know, very, very early nineties, I don't know. I don't feel like there, I didn't feel a pressure to be more grown up than I was in terms of like thinking about sexuality or anything like that. I don't think think I was really even there because that would have been, you know, fifth grade, sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So having your mom come out, I guess, like, you know, kind of in that moment of like puberty, the cusp of, you know, entering into teenagehood, how did that, I guess I'm kind of curious to know more, like how, you know, as time went on past, past that initial, you know, her yeah. coming out to you guys, I guess, like, how did that, um, I'm curious to, yeah, like, how did things change for you or, um, as you were, I mean, this is a really, this is an impossible question, but I guess like, as you were coming into your own understanding of your gayness, how did, did, first of all, your mom's, your mom's identity as a gay woman as well, you know, did that come into your mind? And I just, I want to, I want to hear a little more about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I first started then sort of like, that was probably the time when it just sort of entered my mind. And then I, I remember I had a paper route. Um, we had a paper route from when I was 12 to when I graduated from high school. And the paper route was just like, I bring it up because it was like a thinking time, you know, because mm-hmm. I would walk the route and that would be, it would just be me, had my headphones and I'd just be like thinking like, huh. And thinking about, God, what is this being gay? And And then I think I had a friend who also talked about what that she thought she might be gay and then it just sort of everything just sort of started to blossom in a way where I was like oh and I started to think about my own experiences and my own crushes and um but I've my parents raised us 
in really like a free to be you and me kind of way. I mean, cool. I felt pretty open to be who I was and what I was, I did have a fear um, that my mom would think that she had made me gay or that I was copying her. And then I had a fear about my dad and that he would blame my mom. Mm -hmm. So those are like the only the fears that I had. Mm -hmm. And, but I do know that I end up having conversations with both of them. um, And that fear didn't last long Mm -hmm. because, you know, even because my dad was fine. My mom was fine. Um, And so after that, honestly, you know, my home life was really accepting, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, it's like I had the accepting home. Mm -hmm. It was everything else outside of my home Mm -hmm. that was hard. Mm -hmm. It wasn't for being gay it mm. wasn't it wasn't my family mm. my family was you know pretty amazing and you know I I had a girlfriend and you know she was accepted and allowed to come over and you know all of those def- you know different things so mm. it was really what was happening kind of on the outside a lot of a lot of what you covered in your in your first couple of episodes mm. you know that, really impacted my my coming out and my own queerness and Mm -hmm. and how I experienced the world I think can you say a little more about that if you care to um yeah how those external forces kind of shaped those early experiences or you're coming into your sense of self well again like when my mom was coming out you know in that time period there was a lot around um adoptions being made illegal mm. you know, in other states, not necessarily in Washington, but I do remember listening to the radio again on the paper out <laughs> and hearing stories and hearing like stories of people being taken away from their children, from their parents or of parents um, not being allowed to adopt and stories about same sex couples and same-sex marriage and always, you know, the other presented as the other, like, like, let's hear your story. And then let's hear the other side, which is why this is all wrong and bad. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I feel this way. Even now I feel like, you know, when your life is able to be a subject of debate and a subject and a controversial subject, there is, I think just deep trauma in that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember being afraid, afraid of being taken away from my mom. Um, and certainly we had, you know, I had negative experiences from, um, from extended family members and from, and from friends, um, that, that gave me that fear, you know? And I, again, I was, I, there's this Langston Hughes quote and I, I pulled it out because it was what came to mind. And while it's a little bit different, but 
Misery is when you heard on the radio that the neighborhood you live in is a slum, but you always thought it was home. Mm. And that is kind of what came to mind is that, you know, I was hearing all these places that there was something wrong with my family. Mm. There was something wrong with me. Um, and I, I didn't, I never thought that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. You're like, I'm, I'm holding back tears. Like it's so resonant and it's so wild that we like had these similar experiences, but you know, separated by a decade. Um, oh, I know. I listened to your, yeah. Yeah. I just, it relates so much to what you're saying. Just and actually, I'm, I'm going to want to just ask you that question. I was actually expecting you to say, oh, it was the kids at my school. It was, you know, bullies. It was shitty little, you know, homophobes in the community or in your, you know, your social life. So I'm, in, I'm, and I'm sure those existed too, but I'm, I'm so struck by the fact that um, you're speaking to the fact that it was almost this more like amorphous or like these, you know, this invisible societal, these invisible societal norms that obviously are, you know, enacted through people, but right. Like it's almost like the, the oppressive force of society was the, the harming, like was the, was that the entity causing the harm as opposed to like individual human beings. Um, Oh yeah. And I firmly, I mean, I, I just have such a solid belief in, um, people, if people that know me professionally would laugh if, to hear if they heard this podcast, because I always talk about the socio-ecological model. Is that a model you're, that, that I'm, recipro- I'm sure I could put it together. I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. like reciprocal determinism, you know, and how just like you're, how as an individual, like you not only are shaped by the forces of your environment, you know, not only interpersonal relationships, but organizational structure and policy structure. And, you know, it's represented by these concentric circles nested, but you shape those as well. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, when I learned that model as a, in community health and in public health, um, it not only resonated with me professionally, but really resonated with me personally, because because I have these clear memories of just, and these memories of being in school. And it really wasn't my peers so much mm-hmm. as the principal, mm-hmm. as the administrative structure, as the policies and what were hap- what was okay and not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that, you know, that there wasn't an infrastructure that was created um, for me to just step into that was safe. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that impacted me more so than individual people. That totally makes sense. Are there any examples you can think of? I can think of things that I'm, I could like, I can think of a hypothetical, which would be like, you are given a form at school and it says like mother and father, right. Or like, you know, things like that. I mean, those sort of like micro examples, but are there examples that come to mind for you speaking to this question of infrastructure it's okay if not oh yeah when no I tried to um I wanted to when I was a senior um I wanted to take my girlfriend to prom and at that time there really weren't there were a couple of people that were semi out Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, the principal got word of it and they figured out some way. And I can't remember exactly how they did it. They either like made you write down who you were taking. 
they figured out some way where we couldn't buy tickets. Um, and so it was, we had to go around it in some way. I remember like we had to say that we were all going as a group of friends. And then when I showed up with my girlfriend and we tried to dance and it was so uncomfortable with the adults that we left and some at a gay bar in Seattle, even though they knew we were underage. Oh, I love that. Like, let us in. Oh, because, oh my God. Because we were like, we're just trying to go to prom, you oh. know? Um, and we, I tried to, I ended up being part of a, a small group. There was just like a couple of us that tried to start a um, support group at the high mm. school, but we, Thankfully, we had a teacher that was, um, you know, kind of more obviously gay mm -hmm. and uh, he let us be in his room. But we there had been several gay bashings at our school. And so we had to kind of pretend we had to stagger when we left the room because mm -hmm. we just feel safe. Mm -hmm. So things like that. I mean. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, not the forms or, I mean, yeah, yeah that's, that's like a really, that's a really like, you know, milk toast, like, you know, relatively powerful it is example. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So when this was going on, you know, this experiences of, I mean, I'll call it marginalization feels like too polite a word for what you're experiencing, you know, being a young gay person in a, you know, oppressive environment. But um, when this was happening, is this something you were talking about with your mom? Was, was you, was that? Did you feel like that was something you could bring to her? Was she, I don't, I'm just so, I, I just feel like this experience of like her being on her own journey of becoming, a, not becoming, identifying as a gay woman and you coming into your own identity as a gay person. Like, I just, I'm curious to know about that. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we definitely talked about things, um, you know, and my mom, just as a kind of our core family, you know, my mom and, and her partner at the time, they couldn't get married, but who she later married. Um, mm -hmm. And, and my sibling um, and me and our respective like girlfriends, you know, I mean, we would, I, again, like home just sort of felt like that haven to talk about things. And I always felt very supported because my sibling and I were pretty, we were both kind of activists mm -hmm. in that way. And, um, and I remember marching in the, we have a picture of us marching in the pride parade when we were both at the same high school. Um, and, you know, a teacher that I thought was supportive of us was just like, cause we had something that said proud to be sisters, proud to be, uh, bulldogs that was our mascot mm -hmm. proud to be you know and I remember a teacher just being you know you probably shouldn't say anything about the school like and I was like and I thought they were supportive mm -hmm. you know of us I was like of course we're gonna I mean why should we have to hide those things but again I you know kind of was just given this message mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think I told you the story too of the, when we got scholarships from a pretty prominent, yeah, yeah. you know, LGBTQ organization and was told that it was a hard decision because our family was so strange. It's, that's just, I mean, it's shame on them <laughs> is all I can say. It's but at the time, at the time, I mean, like I started doing some um, speaking events. So some panels mm -hmm. when I was in high school and was part of an organization um, that, that had a speakers bureau. And so we would go to elementary schools and to other schools and just talk about our experience and, mm -hmm. um, and colleges and different things like that. And I remember really feeling that political pressure of, of what the talking points were mm -hmm. as being at that time, you know, that, cause people would always ask like, well, did your mom make you gay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And at the time, you know, I would just have this very clear narrative about how well, no, I grew up with a mother and a father for half my, you know, at this point, like more than half my life and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Because I knew that that's what I was supposed to say. Yep, yep totally. Like politically, it, it wasn't okay to say that my mom had any influence on me yep. because being gay was obviously terrible. Mm -hmm. So did your mom make you this terrible thing? Did she give you her terrible thing as a you know and I have if I had said yes like my mom would be vilified yep. you know as opposed to like hey did your mom make you artistic like yeah I got my artistic gene from my mom mm -hmm. and I'm proud of that mm -hmm. you know like I got my eye color from my dad and I'm proud mm -hmm. of that you know but it's like this thing I knew I was supposed to say no yep. and I don't, I mean, I feel like my mom and I were on our separate journeys, but it wouldn't have mattered. Like my mom would, wouldn't care yeah. or my dad, mm -hmm. how I identified, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how I turned out. Mm -hmm. Do you, I mean, just to ask the question now in 2023, do you feel like your mom coming out affected your own ability to, I mean, I, the way I, I guess I'm, the way I'm seeing it is like, I, for sure. I'll, I'll speak for myself, like growing up in a family with two moms who are both, yeah. um, one of my moms identifies as a lesbian, one doesn't, but you know, she's with a woman, absolutely gave me a model of possibility to examine what I might want in my adult life. And like, absolutely. It did, you know, it's like, it's undeniable, like, I, and I parroted the exact same lines, you know, when I was younger, like, or it, it, I'm not gay, I'm bi, but like, I, you know, people would say like, oh, like, you know, having two, having same sex parents, like makes the kids gay. And I would be like, no, it doesn't like, look at me, you know, it's like a war. And now I'm like, oh my God is so like, oh, you poor, sad little closeted baby. But, um, but like, I, I mean, of course, like no, no one's parents make their, no, you no one makes their own child sexuality, but like the environment our environments shape our sexuality, right? Our rearing and our our family experiences do shape, are they impact our sexuality? Um, and I know for me, like, yeah, I, I mean, who knows? I don't know what it's like to grow up in a straight family, but like, if I'd grown up in a straight family, who knows if I ever would have like done the self-work or turned toward my own sexuality to examine it, right? So anyway, that's what I wanted to say. So I'd be curious if you feel the same way or what you feel about that. 
I, I think you put it really well. I mean, I feel very similar. I mean, it probably would have taken me longer, you know, um, I think that I have a pretty, I had a pretty strong sense of like right and wrong. And when I was, when we were being mistreated and I have to think that that is from my parents, you know? And so I always felt like I wanted to stand up for what was right mm -hmm. and for being kind and good to people. And, you know, it is even hard to explain now to people, but, you know, coming out is, it's a political, it's a political decision. I mean, I, it, it honestly, it shouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like homophobia, all of those things, we, we have to come out because of homophobia. I mean, to me, the fact that there's these almost, intertwined cyclical things about oppression and and what people are being oppressed for I mean it's just so interesting when you really start to like pull it apart like there should be no reason for me to come out mm -hmm. it could just be I'm just here and chose to be with a woman and attracted to women okay great you know because ideally there are no laws separating us there are no you know there's none of that mm -hmm. so I think I've I think because of the time period for me and because there was so much going on it became obvious pretty quickly how mm -hmm. political a decision it was yeah that if I did come out if I did and, and because my mom was gay and because my dad was supportive, you know, in a weird way, even though this isn't really how privilege works, it kind of felt privileged in mm -hmm. a way. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have to worry about coming out to my family. Yeah, yeah. So I had that safety. And I think people who are worried about their family, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a really hard thing. That's, I think, one of the most unique things about growing up in a, you know, queer family, however you want to call it, gay family, LGBTQIA+, is this sort of, like, inversion of the, at least, you know, Western <laughs> model of family. It's really, like, I mean, you really, it's just, it's like, yeah, it, um, it's just totally inherently different in that, like, most people, you know, I mean, it's changing, obviously, but most people don't grow up, you know, with they grew up with heterosexual parents right um so it's just yeah it is so and that's something I think is very like precious and cool and really I mean I think worth honoring about about queer families is this like um uniqueness about like the fact that in and not not in every instance but like I mean almost the way you're describing it it's like it's almost like the family can be a sanctuary from the outside forces that are dangerous or harmful right which yes. is like, shouldn't every kid have that? But like, yes. Right. Um, but instead people end up fearing. Yes. Fearing yes. Uh, uh, more so than it, like as the primary source of fear and, and trauma, yes. right? And for so many people, which is heartbreaking. But Which but. could have been kind of what turned me towards the outside world more is because while I did have initial fear and trepidation, you know, 
it kind of resolved itself. And then my next level of fear of intimate coming out was like my grandparents that I really adored and are were conservative, um, small town Texans. Um, and I waited until college to come out to them. Oh, how did it go? Amazing. Oh, amazing. They just, like, yeah, my grandfather, had, had just, I just remember him saying, well, we love you just the way you are. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. Was that so, your mom's parents or your dad's parents? Oh, my dad's. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And they were always supportive of my mom. Um, other members of the family net weren't necessarily, but um, they were and always were um, very loving to us. And I, I always just found that pretty remarkable. And I did confront them once I remember as a teenager after I had come out as about their voting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And they just said they didn't feel like the government should have anything to do with it. And I kind of tried to challenge them a little bit, but then I thought I was kind of overstepping a little bit, but you know, I was curious just as like, how do you reconcile that? I think is what I was really asking. How do you reconcile that I know how much you love me? Um, and how do you reconcile that with your political leanings and people that you're voting for that are really causing harm? But I just, you know, since then, I've just met so many people who managed to hold that cognitive dissonance very easily. <laughs> And I don't understand it. Definitely. I've, I've been thinking so much about like this. I was talking with a different person who grew up with two moms a few months ago, a good friend of mine. And just like, we talked about how, you know, it's really easy to say like, we'll just cut them off and like, you know, say screw them. And like, you know, but it's, it's much more complicated in practice. Right. I mean, that's like not, and that's not the right response necessarily for everyone, but I think, yeah, yeah navigating that inherently requires like the ability to sit with like some cognitive dissonance and like hold two truths at once right yeah 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 well I want to just this is a bit of a pivot but I did want to just um just kind of pivoting back to like thinking about this you know early time I'm I'm not not trying to fixate on your mom's coming out as like oh it's like it's okay it's your podcast (laughs) yeah it's important (laughs) you know and I feel like and, and I'd be curious like to hear your thoughts on this like I will I will admit I have this um not like hang up but I if I'm honest with myself like having two moms really does feel like the defining feature of myself in some ways like there's some other things about me that are defining Mm -hmm. features but you know like gun to my head or or not even gun to my head you know if someone's like who are you like what are you about like I I will often like instinctively be like well I was raised by two moms just because it has you know really shaped my psyche and my existence and navigating the world um but I'm curious you know like even when I initially reached out to your brother his response when I asked him if he would be down to for me to speak with him was like well I don't really identify as the child he's like I don't know if I identify as being raised in a queer family because I didn't know you know about the sort of the like the logistical history of your <laughs> your your family composition um and so I thought that was so interesting because I just feel like I I know for me it's been this defining feature um and I'm curious to hear if if you you know having this really different experience of growing up in this you know ostensibly heterosexual or like you know mother and father family uh, but then Mm -hmm. having that kind of a a moment of separation or disjuncture almost um and then like your mom continuing on a different life 
um, I'm curious, like, my first question is like, does that, you know, does it, does it, I guess the question is how does it impact how you think about yourself or see yourself or does it, right? Like when you, when you, when you do think about your identity, does having a queer parent rise to like the top five, <laughs> you know, things about you? Um, just kind of curious. That's a super interesting question. And I appreciate you sharing how it is for you. Um, yeah, I think, I think what I, as I read response to you and I think he said, I, I resonate with having two moms, but not with being raised by two moms. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I, I, I hear that because, you know, by the time my mom was with her now wife, so they, you know, they've been together over, over 20 years. Um, we were, you know, young, we were teens. So we were kind of be, you know, I wanted to say beyond the raising point, but, um, you know, but we both had no knew had known my mom's who she my mom's wife. We had known her um, as our basketball coach, and you know, just adored her as an individual first. You know, before we and as our coach before she entered the family, and so I think that also really just kind of carried through. You know, we knew her, um, we trusted her. Um, she, we had a, uh, like a relationship friendship with her as, mm -hmm. you know, you know how you are with your coach. Yeah. Like, yeah. You really have a good coach. But so, so I think I understand what I was saying and, and I, I think I would agree that there was definitely an influence, but, and we would, you know, go to her for support mm -hmm. and for guidance and um and and she would you know became become another mother and would mm -hmm. you know come to all our functions and you know be part of the family and is part of our family and is mm -hmm. you know still now um but wasn't necessarily involved in our lives in our formative years you know do you think of her as a mother? Do you think of her as a parent? For you? Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. I do. I, when did I, that I, did that change over? I assume that took. I mean, did that take a while, or did that? How like what did that look like? How what what? How did that progress? I think I was I was thinking about this too because I think I always. I think we were really, I would felt really open to having another parent. Um, and I, I'm going to just like attach that to the way I was raised that I don't feel like, I feel like some kids maybe are raised with parents that really don't want them to form strong connections with other adults. Um, you know, whether it's like more possessive or, fear or something like that but I I feel like I was always encouraged to form strong connections with other adults um and actually you know have other people uh, older people in my life that I would consider like parent figures um and and 
and have shared that with them and talked to my mom about them. And I feel like it's because what my mom gave to me as a parent was so strong that when I see that in other people and when I feel that in other people, I automatically like give them that sort of mother. It's almost like a, a gift. Like I, like you feel like my mom, you know, and I'm saying, I'm really saying to my own mom, like this person feels like you to me, like this person, this person is watching out for me. This person is protective. This person loves me no matter what, you know, and they may not be biologically related to me, you know? And so, you know, I have a mentor that was a professor of mine in college and I have always considered her another mother um, and her partner. And, you know, even to this day, you know, it's, so that is, so, yeah. So I think I, I recognized um, my mom's, wife pretty quickly as like but she's very different from my mom I don't know about your your moms but you know they're very they're very different people and and they um bring different things into my life mm-hmm. you know and very different presence in my life mm-hmm. but I know that she's always there mm-hmm. in, in my corner yeah. Um, hearing you talk about like these, this like many mothers concept, it so resonates with me just because I've, I have often felt like not just having two moms, I mean, maybe, you know, having two moms sort of set the stage for me to think differently about family, right. Or like inherently we have yes. differently about family, right. Um, right. Like, yeah. as people who grow up in like non-traditional families, however you want to call it, non-normative families. Um, but I, I feel like for me, like I too, I, I mean, like there's like aunt you know I have a huge extended family um like Mm -hmm. I have these two godmothers my godmothers helped raise me my like my mom's best friends these two gay women um and they're like a second set of parents to me right and then I have like yeah my mom's twin one of my moms has a twin and she's like another mother to me right like I have so many people so many women in my life who I like consider not surrogate mothers but you know like another mother to me um, yes that yeah I just I relate to that so much and I I don't yeah I like I don't know whether to just chalk that up to like you know this non-traditional family that I was raised in um I'm sure that impacted it right and I feel like as queer people too like not to draw too you know big of a conclusion but like I do feel that we well there's strong you know thinking historically and sociologically right like queer people had to form our own families right so many queer people were you know um kicked out of their families of origin right uh have you read families we choose the like the ethnography it's from like the late so. 80s, early 90s. It's it's a, I mean, it's kind of, it's an interesting yeah. like, snapshot of that time. It's all of, it's an ethnography of queer New Yorkers mm-hmm. specifically, all about mm-hmm. folks who have, you know, been um, kicked out of their families of origin and forming the families they choose, right? It's a great time. Yeah. I, I read it in like, you know, Anthropology 101 in college. Um, but that concept has always really stuck with me because I do feel like, um, growing up in a queer family does, I don't know, like it primes you maybe to conceptualize relationships to parents or relationships to, and it's like, yeah, just, it, it kind of explodes the concept. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm so interested to hear that you two have those strong relationships with like people that aren't your parents, but that, you know, have that deeply parental or mentorship role. Yeah. Mentor no, doesn't even feel like the right I word, have... but yeah. No, exactly. I had the same thought. I was like, huh, I wonder if this is 
because of that. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, but I didn't really had thought about that until I was preparing for this interview. I was oh, like, interesting. oh, <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. No, I'm so yeah. curious. I, I need to like ask the few other friends I have who are raised in queer families, like, hey, do you also have like really strong relationships with like people that aren't your parents, <laughs> right? That are like yeah. adults. Um, it would be interesting to know. Totally. Yeah, I'm so interested by that. So, okay, one of my other questions for you was, how did being the queer child of a queer parent impact you? Um, and I guess, how has that kind of shifted over time? I know we've, we've talked about that kind of, we've, we've touched on that throughout our conversation thus far, but um, yeah, if, if you want to just squarely kind of answer that one, I'd be interested to know. Specifically, sorry, I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll winnow no, that. No, I'll clarify. Okay. I was thinking like this concept of like second generation queer person is just such right. a like, relatively novel con like so relatively novel social concept right because um because of the ways in which like queer people have been systematically you know kind of excluded from parenthood at least like in public right in public life yeah. until very recently the past few decades um I just said you know this is kind of like a novel phenomenon to me of like out people who are out Queer, out queer people who were raised by out queer people however you might define that right I feel like outness is also like like you like you've said you know it's like a it's a simplistic problematic concept right um but I'd be curious you know like does that there's just not that many of us right so I'm interested to know how that's no there's not and I didn't I didn't even know I don't think I knew anybody else I'm trying to think the only other person that I knew and I was just, when I was telling my mom about I was doing this podcast and I was, I was kind of reminding her of this. Like, you remember I had this friend in high school who, <laughs> whose mother ended up um, dating and she, she was straight, but she sought me out and we had this immediate, like, she was very, very scared of people finding out and she didn't have anyone to talk to. And at that time, I don't, she had not even told her best friend, but she learned that I had two moms. Um, and so we became, you know, pretty close, pretty fast, but, and later I learned, I had other, um, I knew of maybe one or two people whose moms ended up coming out, but not who were queer. Um, and my wife, actually, when I was talking to her about this, she was like, well, you know, your family was the first family and she that I ever met that had other queer, that you, that you weren't the only gay person, that I wasn't, that your whole essentially part of lgbtq so yeah it was really interesting mm -hmm. um, did, did your mom at that like you know i'm envisioning like you know around the time when you're in high school like your mom's been out yeah. for her to herself and otherwise for a couple of years if i have the timing right did she have a um desire to form you know queer community or how, I guess I'm curious how she kind of engaged with queer community as an as a grown adult in the early 90s late 80s right I mean I don't know I know that the queer community at that time 
was, well, you know, kind of burgeoning. I mean, honestly, like, like thinking about Seattle history, you know, Lambert House, you know, which was for queer youth, that didn't start from 91, I think. The Bailey Boucher House, you know, I mean, all of that stuff was kind of like starting up at that time. And there was a couple of gay bars like the Wild Rose and, um, right. And then there was some other, so I remember, um, you know, her going to some events like before she met her current wife. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I it it felt pretty small. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just curious because I feel like I know a lot of like the um my moms are in their mid sixties. I'm not sure how old your mom is, but um I feel like a lot of I don't know if it's like, you know, but confirmation bias because maybe it's like thinking of my moms and their friends, their gay friends, their gay woman friends, yeah. but like they were not particularly like community oriented or <laughs> like they were in the sense that like they had their gay friends they would hang out with, but they like my parents have never been to a pride march ever. Never. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things like that. Like they're just not very, not that they're not politically engaged, but like they're just not like very, that's just not, that's not how they would do their activism. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm just kind of curious. Like, I don't know if that's a generational thing because obviously like the queers of our parents' generation were extremely politically engaged and had, you know, in some right. ways were forced to be, right. Um, for survival. Um, so I was just kind of curious. Like, yeah, I feel like that is more true now that they, you know, that they have more queer friends that they're you know hanging out with and I mean as as we've grown up not like just right now but you know last like 20 years you know um because my mom's 74 so yeah but I can't I can't I can't I don't recall in high school of course, she, you know, I don't know everything she was totally, doing. Totally, totally. <laughs> she might have been out, of, I, out in those streets. I was streets. very focused on my own queer life. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> oh, my God. Who knows what she was getting up to? Right. I mean, I mean, that's the kind of thing, right? Is like, we were both probably kind of just focused on our, I mean, obviously, she thought about me, but um, I didn't even really have to worry about it. So. I'm going to the Lambert house or going to pride March. It's not a weird thing. Totally. So, you know, given that you shared that your, your home and your family life was kind of this mm -hmm. like sanctuary for you. Um, when you were, you know, after your mom had come out, were you and your sibling, like, did you have conversations in the house about like, I just, like, I'm kind of curious, like, did you talk in a kind of self-reflective way about like the struggles you might've been having feeling different from being, you know, growing up in this or like now being in the household where you have two moms or two women parenting you? Um, or is that kind of just like, it was kind of the unspoken reality? No, I mean, we talked about it, you know, my, at the time, um, you know, my brother, hadn't transitioned yet so my brother my sister at the time so really frankly most of that high school period we had like three lesbians my brother had done you know three lesbians 
who were all with somebody. So we had like the six women. Oh like, my God, I love it. <laughs> sometimes, you know, in the house, in this very small house with one bathroom. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think that we would kind of very freely share about what was happening, what was going on and, and um, you know, my my sibling and I both were experiencing issues at school and um, and were at the same high school and um, experienced very different issues because of what we were involved in and um, and our age difference, you know. So so yeah, I think I think we did we did talk about it. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm curious is um, I wonder if your mom felt, so, so the reason I'm thinking about this is when I had one of my moms, like my parents have listened to the podcast, right? And one of my moms shared that it kind of, she was, um, I was, you know, in listening to me talk about my experiences when we, you know, lived in this conservative part of Southern California and really feeling the need to hide hide the fact that I had two moms. My mom said um, that she just felt like she was just really saddened by it and she felt like she didn't realize I guess like she didn't realize at the time the impact it was having on me um and so I'm just kind of curious you know I wonder if because I'm not a parent right I don't and I I didn't I'm not yeah our parents age um like these boomers I wonder if there's um I guess guilt or or consternation like feelings Mm. of pain that your mom might have had for not like putting you in the situation, but you know what I mean? Like, how, you know, basically like, you know, making choices for her life and her own self and truth that were impacting you and your brother, because that's the environment we lived in at the time, you know, this, that was the, that was the climate it was like a homophobic climate that was not welcoming to, you know, queer families. I'm just so curious, like if that was something, you know, might've come up for your mom and maybe I'm totally off base, but I just have to wonder. Right? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't speak for her and I don't yeah. know did or not um I feel like when I came out like you know and and my sibling at the time identified you know as a lesbian as well and um that that sort of became more forefront you know of of how we were experiencing homophobia I guess like it became less about I think if you know if we hadn't been queer and we were you know cis straight kids that were had two moms I think we probably would have had really different experiences because I mean certainly I remember you know I was in like a campfire troop you know that was a pretty long-standing troop and and you know, my mom coming out was a shift, you know, I mean, for those relationships and how I interacted with those parents. I mean, or it was, and so I had longstanding classmates, you know, that I had gone to school with since I was in the first, second grade that now I was in high school with them. And so my mom coming out was a was a thing, but my parents divorcing was also a thing because yeah, I, um, I was the only one in that class with divorce. Totally, totally. <laughs> so it was like these things sort of kept, 
um, happening, but I would say that for the most part, if I can remember correctly, people really tried to roll with it. I would say the friends that I had weren't um, overtly terrible. Um, it was just a, it was just one of those things where you kind of start to sense like, oh, and now there's this thing in your life that we don't really understand and is slightly awkward when we ask you about it and you know so how um, did it come to be so known just, oh sorry sorry go ahead no no go ahead I was just gonna say how did it come to be known in your school that you had that your mom was gay now um like did was that something like I just like I'm curious like how did people find out um I don't know if I think my mom must have told you know my friend's parents that that we were interacting with on a regular basis, you know, either because of sports or because of usually it was like sports, piano or campfire. Right. <laughs> so I think those kinds of conversations happened not by me. I think they happened more by my mom. And then it was this trickle down you know where all of a sudden people just knew that's how I remember it I see okay I okay I was I was curious like if you were you know I don't like, think I was not for long time people got it, I got it. like yeah. let me come out for my mom kind yeah. of <laughs> totally but for new people you know it was like you know when I would introduce like this is my mom and you know and this is my mom's partner or you know um, for my other mom, we kind of like went back and forth, just depending on the the day or the event, you know, how we would do the introductions. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that would just sort of happen. Got it. Got it. I feel like also as a young person, like one's parents are like more of a salient part of like your daily life right just like by nature right. how we raise children in this country right so it's sort of like even if you didn't I don't know just like yeah our parents like as as yeah as children our parents are more present in our life for for many people um, right or like our guardians our caretakers whoever's raising us so it's just I mean it makes sense like and then of course like you have the parents talking to their kids and then their kids go oh well you know and then I mean I can totally exactly. see how it circulates freely um, but I just was curious if like how you know what was the catalyst there yeah. And, you know, I mean, I remember being aware of just sort of how the tenor of the relationship would change. Like, oh, how's your mom? And uh, like, you know, I mean, I was aware of that. But, but at that point, by that time, I mean, I don't know how, how you felt, but it just like things just sort of start to layer on. Right. And and then when there's bigger things that happen in your life, then, then those things kind of just slide down, you know? So, so by the time, you know, by the time I had this prom experience, it was just like, really? But then there were experiences in college, you know? I mean, that, I mean, college was not, I mean, I mean, this was pre like, 
you know, this was pre-Ellen. Like, Ellen coming out was like a massive deal in college for me. Um, but, you know, I went to a high school that had a school shooting, and that was pre-Columbine, you know? So it's like, there were these things that sort of happened early on that I they didn't necessarily explode into to me into kind of common vernacular until later. And I was like, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> see, this is some big shit. <laughs> like, you see how people are treating Ellen? That's how all the rest of us feel. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so. like such a moment. Like, it's it's absolutely wild. Like, what was that, 25 years ago, 30 no, 25, probably. Oh, we had this huge party on, on college, um, campus. I mean, it was great. Oh, my God. It That's was incredible. Great. Yeah, so I, I did want to ask you about the college piece, because I think in some sense, when you leave, I mean, you know, when, when you go to college for many people, you do, yeah. you know, those, that attachment of your parents and your previous life and your family life does drop away in some sense, in that you can kind of newly present yourself to your new college community how you want. Um, I'd be curious mm -hmm. to know how that process went for you. Um, well, it was a mixed bag. I mean, I would say that college presented like some of some really amazing experiences for me as a member of the queer community and also some pretty horrific experiences mm. for me of the queer community um and formative mm -hmm. so i do remember i mean particularly related to this conversation when you was because when you mentioned reading that textbook in your anthropology class in college like that just struck me because in my anthropology class in college um we, I, there was one lecture, I remember, I, sh I should think it was sociology, one lecture, you know, and this was like those hundred, what, a hundred levels, so there's a bazillion people. And I went to Western. And we were doing some assignment about family. Like, I want you to, you know, write an essay about family, some family structure or something. And, it, you know, your family could be, you know, a man and a woman or a single mother or two mothers or, or like same sex couple or something like that. And the whole class like burst into laughter. Oh my God. The whole class. And why all this, you know, I just felt like this oh, like rise yeah. anxiety and, you know, we're in like, there's hundreds of people in this class mm -hmm. and I, I just, I started yelling. I was like, what's so funny? Ugh. What is funny? And then this woman who later became, you know, one of, is still one of my closest friends stood up and she said, yeah, what's so funny? Oh. And the professor said, I think people are just uncomfortable with the fact to, with same sex couples being parents. Mm. And I was like so incensed mm -hmm. and then had this very formative experience of like 
kind of the first time I really remember feeling like I had had an ally Mm -hmm. that didn't know me Mm because here was this person who we didn't know each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we had a few classes together, so I knew her name. Mm -hmm. And that, that, you know, being in college during that time is when I kind of learned about social justice and Mm -hmm. being an ally and all of those terms that... I had kind of, there had been some embodiment in my life, but I hadn't yeah. really put the terms attached. But that was the first time I experienced that. I feel like I had not experienced that my entire growing up. Mm-hmm. I don't remember pe- anyone standing up for me like that, mm-hmm. that didn't, that wasn't like r- related to me. Yeah, yeah. Um. And I ended up writing a letter to that professor and I, you know, and I ended up saying like, it was really disappointing how you handled that. Like, I felt really alone in that room. And anyway, she ended up really herself becoming an ally, like really kind of changing. And, and she said, I had no idea I didn't really understand the impact of my actions or lack of actions um, during that time. But thinking about it now, you know, it was amazing how free people just felt like, oh, that's hilarious. Like, Mm -hmm. can we talk about that? Like, rage? I feel like that. Oh, oh my God. Like, I just relate to it on on a like cellular level. and like situating that rage in context where you're the only one in the room who's feeling that because it's so personal is just so I've just feel I feel like I've felt that feel like a thousand times. I like just, molten. Yeah. Molten. Yeah. But then also like I don't know, at least for me, like in certain environments, there's like a fear there too, right? Because it's like, okay, so oh, I literally absolutely. if I'm gonna say anything, I'm gonna be the only voice in the whole room, right? Yeah, but I felt like that was a time, I mean, I I did feel like in that moment in relationship to this podcast that I was speaking for my family. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't, I don't feel like in that moment I was necessarily speaking for me primarily. Mm-hmm. Like, even though, you know, I was gay, I had a girlfriend, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But I felt like that, that they were attacking my family. Mm-hmm. And we had an, in, you know, and Matthew Shepard was murdered mm-hmm. during the time I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I led a group that stood around the mm-hmm. Red Square and held signs. And mm-hmm. we had someone who was, had a rock thrown yeah. at her. Um, we, so we had some, And I had a very strong, you know, mentor who really taught me about social justice and Mm -hmm. bicycle behavior and um, being an ally. And I feel like I was able to work with students to really create a safe space for them. Mm -hmm. So, so there were those moments that were just like amazing. So it was just like very much a, I don't know, I guess kind of like life is right now. It's just very, there's very stark contrast of these amazing, mm-hmm. beautiful moments of people really standing up for each other. And then these mm-hmm. horrible moments of 
cutting each other down. Mm-hmm. I know I'm so struck by like thinking about your experiences with regard to being gay yourself and growing up in a family where you were being raised by two women in your later years. Um, just like, I, I think part of me is like, wow, we've come so far. And then I'm like, but no, we haven't because the violence isn't just like changed shape. Right. Um, I do think there has been, you know, greater, I just feel like, yeah, I feel like there, I mean, like in some ways, like there was very rapid and incredible social change that did like normalize queer people's participation in public life. Right. And like normalized queer people's like inherent dignity, um, or like gave us a shred of dignity. Um, but now we're, and, and of course, like, you know, that was like, it's not like it's, it hasn't been, you know, like a linear progression, but it did feel like there was even over the past 20 years, there's been like a really rapid mm-hmm. social change. Absolutely. I think that's well-documented, but, and, and now we're seeing like, I mean, there, but there's been backlash, backlash isn't even the right word. There's been, you know, immense pushback against that all along. Right. But it does feel like right now there's this like newly empowered and like more frightening pushback that is specifically about like trans folks. Right. Um, yes. But also against gay people, I don't know. I see like the most horrific comments on the internet, like, and I'm just like, wait, when, oh. did, it, when did it become okay to like be nakedly homophobic and like call for the death of queer people all of a sudden? Like, what the hell? Have I just like not been paying attention? But, um, yeah. So, I bring that up to say, I'm curious to know how you feel now, seeing the way the landscape has changed. How does it make you feel when you see? I guess like when you see queer people making families or when you see queer people you know able to live in this more open way um because then you know for, I'll speak for myself like in some senses it gives me a lot of hope but then it also um makes me a little melancholy because I'm like wow we really haven't progressed that far if there's still even any resistance to the idea that like queer people should like if you said something earlier that just struck me so much like just the idea that like I, I'll butcher what you said but it was like that like we should be treated differently legally it's just like such an insane concept (laughs) like queer people could be treated differently legally but like we're we're obviously we still see that right so I'm just curious like how that lands with you you know how just like yeah how do you feel about it now versus 20 30 years ago yeah no I thanks and I my wife and I were just having that conversation of like has anything really changed Mm -hmm. and you know kind of recounting some of the things that we have both experienced and and the only thing I could think of was like, well, except more people are angry. Mm. I feel like more people would have, I feel like maybe one or two people would have laughed in that mm. classroom, not the whole class. Not every single person. Yeah. No, and there would have been more happened. people saying like, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, <laughs> like, yep. totally instead of just me and then uh, brave Angela. Yeah. Um, so I, that's what I hope yeah. is, and that's what I think. And, and the other thing that I've noticed um, is that I think is huge is the change in um, books. Oh, interesting. Because like, I'm a fan of middle grade mm-hmm. books. Yeah. We talked about this I'm a big reader. And, um, but you know, when I came out, the only book, that I could find was Annie on my mind. Hmm. Um, the book that I read in my, you know, gay English teacher's class in high school <laughs> to tell him I was gay was Ruby Fruit Jungle and 
Armistead Mop and Tales of the City. Like, oh, cool. There were these iconic things that it's like, because I wanted <laughs> him to talk to me. Oh, you know? I wanted yeah. him. And, and he did. And I knew that that would like, here's my signal. Like, I don't know how else to signal this to you. <laughs> totally. But now there are a lot of wonderful books, mm. not only being written where people have same sex parents and mm-hmm. it's just like part of the story. It's yeah, not yeah. the story. Mm-hmm. Right. Or people are, kids are trans, kids are gay. And again, it's not like the like iconic coming out. Totally. Story. It just happens to be. That. Yeah. It's just ordinary. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is huge. And I know that that's what's, you know, causing all of, uh, you know, this resurgence in book bans yeah, and yeah, yeah. all that crap. But, but representation is massive. Yep. You know, I was just reading about how like the the episode of Friends where Ross is. Yes, Carol. Yes. Carol. Because, I mean, that was banned. That episode was banned. So that was in that was the year I graduated from high school. Oh, my God. What, like 93? 90? I think it was 95. Oh, wow. Okay. So they banned that episode. You know, so things like that. So. Mm-hmm. You know, when when stuff is just like when they just made the queer, what is it? Love is blind or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, right. Uh-huh. The fact that that happened is kind of amazing. I totally agree. It's okay, a so- terrible show, but like, <laughs> yeah, not the most glamorous. Watch it a million <laughs> times because, oh yeah. my god, <laughs> totally. It's like, oh, like queer people have been so far that we too can be represented poorly in the media. <laughs> like, <laughs> come we can be way. shown to be like really shitty, shady little. Oh, we have really crappy stuff. shows about us. Like, <laughs> oh my god, how far we've come. Well, okay, I talk about this in one of the new podcast episodes that comes out in a couple of weeks. Is about like this question of like representations of queer families in particular right friends is one of the things I talk about because as a kid it was like kind of shocking and amazing for me to see like two women parenting a child right like it was like very like you didn't see that um but whereas now it's like again like you said no one would bat an eye but okay this is kind of a tangent I'm just it's in the context of the book piece do you are you familiar with this book it's it's not milligrade it's like it's like a picture book it's called heather has two mommies have you ever heard yes oh Oh, my god mommies was yes. the most banned book ever. Okay, that was a book that my parents gave me as a child. That was like the only oh, book that I had. That was that the like, only book. Yes, no, I don't. I mean, maybe there were others, but like that. No, oh my at God, that time, I, I don't think. That. Yeah, no, no I imagine. I remember it's Heather has two mommies. Oh, wow, okay, I need to I need to get it from the library. That was a big <laughs> deal. Wow, I, don't, I should like contact the author or something and be like, come talk to me. Um, Because that book, ta- it, it became like a running joke kind of as I got older, like my mom's, you know, be like, oh, well, you know, old Heather has two mommies. And <laughs> just like, but but to your point about representation, like it does, like it's a, it's a trite, con- it's a trite statement, like representation matters at this point, but like it 100% does. <laughs> like, it's you know, it- to to know to to feel seen to to see your i you to see yourself and your family shown back to you in a way that isn't um you know dehumanizing um is extremely impactful 
Um, so yeah, no, I, well, I told you, and I will, I know I have a copy of it, but I told you about that Virginia Mason ad, Mm -hmm. you know, I need you to find it. (laughs) I would just love to. And it is. What if you had two moms and it's like two June cleavers (laughs) and it was not tongue in cheek. I mean, it was like, Hey, we're Virginia Mason. We're your other mother. Like, and my, you know, my brother and I just had that on our walls. We thought it was the funniest thing. And thank God I had a sibling. I mean, Thank God, because yeah. it was somebody else to just be like, look, look, yeah. this is great. Totally. You know, that's so, I mean, even hearing you say that, I'm okay. I'm mindful of time. I want to wrap up shortly, but no, I just one thing, what just what you said made me think um, this quote, this, that, that very point about having a sibling to kind of navigate through these waters is really interesting to me because I'm an only child um, oh, and yeah. I didn't have any other, I mean, like there were. My parents, you know, my parents had a lot of gay friends, but none of them had kids. And if they did, they were like, you know, 10 years younger than me. So I, you know, I didn't have peers who had two moms, right. Or two dads. No one had two dads at that time. Um, so I, I, yeah, like I, I, I didn't like long for a sibling for that reason. Um, but I did, um, yeah, like I, I'm like hearing you say that I'm like, oh, that would have been so cool to like have someone in the trenches with me that wasn't just my mom's right um, to, yeah. to to know and have that embodied experience. I think that's why, I mean, not to psychoanalyze myself too much, but I suspect that's why I, you know, I'm doing this project or like it has been so meaningful to me to make connections with other children of queers um, because it is like there's a little bit of like healing in there or just even like feeling like oh my gosh like like what was it like for you you know there's something there's something powerful in that so well some witnessing really right I mean to be witnessed and to to know I mean I I think that would have been hard you know and just have compassion for you as an only child going through that because it was just a part of my life, but really intentionally thinking about it now, I think, yeah, we had things where we were able to share and mm. we understood it. Mm-hmm. Like no one else would have, no yep. one, no one else. And I'm really grateful to have that, mm-hmm. to have that person. Yeah. Even just to laugh at the funny things. Yes, (laughs) totally. Just to be like the absurdity. Are you, I kind of, I'm assuming you guys are still close, but are you, are you, you're close? Yeah. That's awesome. Oh yeah. That's super cool. How far apart in age are you? Just two years. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. Oh, that's really neat. That's that. Yeah. It's only, you know, a big difference when you're growing up. Yeah, (laughs) totally. (laughs) Once you're an adult, you're the same age. Yeah. Well, no, and so I need to watch him parent and, and oh, to be that's so able special. To be able to be an aunt in that other way. That's so cool. I love that. That's really awesome. Well, that was everything I wanted to touch on. And I'm so I just yeah, like I'm I need to go like journal after this conversation. <laughs> like you just brought up so many things I'm thinking about. And it was just I really appreciate oh, you sharing everything you did. And I'm so stoked that we got connected because it's been Me so fun too. to hear your but- perspective. I'm just so appreciative that you're doing this because oh, it's, yeah. it's hard. I don't know. It's hard to all of a sudden have those things be so far behind me. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like another life. I mean, and, and it sounds cliche to just, and this is what you say when you're middle-aged and you're like, why did I get to be middle-aged? You know, but um 
it's just, it's odd to think about. And I appreciate being able to reflect on it now in a really intentional way. And I think that allowing, you know, being part of this has allowed me to do that in a way that I probably would not have thought about it. Although I do want to do a, at least some sort of graphic thing about yes. being queer. In the- oh my God. <laughs> yes. I want, I want to read that. So <laughs> you have, yeah. It was different. Yeah. Well, I, I'm so honored that this could be even a little bit, you know, of, of a moment for reflection or something, um, or like even just to, you know, be a space, a container, if you will, to use that term everyone loves to use to just yeah. talk through this stuff. And yeah. And, and, and I, it is so interesting to me to think about like our age difference being I know. not huge, but like it, we had, I see these like radical differences in our experience, but also these profound similarities, which is just so, I'm really struck by that. Me too. It was really interesting to hear you say things that I was like, that we resonated on without even really talking about it. Totally, totally. So I, yeah, it was great. And thanks for doing this. And it was fun. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm really appreciative of your time too. I, I really, and yeah, I've been so looking forward to our conversation ever since we talked last time. So I'm so deeply grateful to Daisy for making time to talk with me. Our conversation opened up so many portals in my brain, and I've been thinking about it ever since we talked. And like I said, I feel like I have a new friend for life, (laughs) even though we've only talked twice. So again, thank you, Daisy, so much for sharing your story with me, with our listeners, and for bringing so many interesting angles to this conversation. Until next time.